0: You are listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Stay tuned for the Heartland Labor Forum, radio that talks back to the boss. weekly show of news, information, and commentary by and for the working people of Kansas City. This show is produced by a team of volunteers from a broad range of workplaces and unions. The views expressed on the Heartland Labor Forum are ours and not necessarily those of KKFI or any unions involved. Okay, welcome to the Heartland Labor Forum. This is Judy Ansell. Tonight's show is being underwritten by Kansas City Building Trades Council and Millwrights Local 1529. The Kansas City Building Trades Council, the men and women who build KC, and Millwrights Local 1529, over 1,000 members to serve your industrial mechanical needs, originally chartered in 1913. And the Heartland Labor Forum and KKF, I thank our underwriters for their support. On tonight's show, Teamsters for a Democratic Union, or TDU, has for almost half a century led the fight for rank-and-file union democracy and been a leader fighting back against increasingly greedy corporations. Earlier this month, two Heartland Labor Forum volunteers attended the 48th annual Teamsters for a Democratic Union convention in Chicago, and tonight they will share their inspiration and belief that TDU is the vanguard of today's labor movement. In the news, Minnesota and Wisconsin doctors are unionizing, the latest UAW contract ratification, and what Jason Sudeikis said about the SAG-AFTRA strike settlement. And now for the news. Now for the news from our side, November 16th, 2023, it's red cup day at Starbucks when they give out their red holiday cups and it's their biggest sales day of the year. Starbucks workers, however, have picked this day to let executives know that they are understaffed, undersupported, and tired of the company's union busting. So they're waging a red cup rebellion and going on strike at hundreds of Starbucks stores around the country, including the 75th and I 35 store in Overland Park. They're also asking Starbucks Workers United supporters to get in on the act by calling the company and by joining the strikes. Starbucks has piled up hundreds of labor law violations for firing workers for organizing, for closing stores that were organizing, like their plaza store, and for refusing to bargain with workers who have voted in a union. So, this month, it's doing it again and committing yet another unfair labor practice by giving raises to everyone but the unionized workers. That's illegal. You can join the Red Cup Rebellion by going to sbworkersunited.org and clicking on Red Cup Rebellion.
1: Sarah Wexler and Jacobin reports that last month, doctors across 61 clinics in Minnesota and Wisconsin, owned by the nonprofit Alina Health System, elected to form a union. The union is the largest of doctors, nurse practitioners, and physician's assistants so far organized, according to the New York Times. These healthcare workers formed the Doctors' Council, an affiliate of the Service Employees Union, in a vote of 325 to 200. Alina employees complain of being understaffed and overworked and lacking input into decision-making, which they say is undermining patient care. One of the doctors, Matt Hoffman, told Jacobin, for a lot of us, it comes down to having so much to do that you don't feel like you have the time or ability to give your patients the best care you can. Also, you don't have the time or ability a lot of times to take care of yourself, to go home, to see your family, to spend time with your kids. We only have nine hours in a day. You have all this stuff to do. Where do you cut? Do you spend less time seeing your patients? Do you spend less time than you'd like to with reviewing lab results or calling specialists? Do you spend less time at home with your kids? My patients are suffering because they're not getting the care they should. They're not getting the time. They can barely get an appointment. You think, who set up the system? Who's benefiting in the system? It's the healthcare corporations. It's drug companies. It's insurance companies. It's Alina. It's companies like Alina. You see the sneeze. I've been working for nine years, and the squeeze is getting tighter every year.
2: Workers at Ford and Salentes voting local by local are approving the contract negotiated by the United Auto Workers by comfortable but not overwhelming majorities. At Ford, the vote, which includes most locals, was two to one for ratification. The Ford Claycoma workers voted 56 to 44 percent in favor of ratification. That's less than the national average. As for Salentes workers, they voted with most locals reporting, similar to Ford, approving the contract by a two-to-one margin. But GM is another story. There, with all locals reporting, workers approved the contract, but only by 55 to 45 percent. Local 31, which represents the Fairfax, Kansas GM plant, voted even more narrowly, 52 to 48. At least three major GM assembly plants voted down the agreement. Some older workers felt they didn't get enough pay increase. The 40% starting demand made some think that they should have gotten rather than the 25% in the final agreement. Of course, you never get what you starting demand is. That's negotiations, which means give and take. Other workers cited the persistence of tears, albeit that the time to get full pay has been significantly reduced. Others wanted pensions for everyone rather than 401ks for newer workers, and others felt that the retirees didn't get enough. Fein said that the union failed to win pension coverage for workers hired after 2007 because the car companies refused to put more pension liability on their balance sheet as would hurt their standing on Wall Street. Fein said it would be high priority in the 2028 Negotiations. Scott Huddleston, chair of the caucus Unite All Workers for Democracy, UAWD, which backs Sean Fein, told Labor Notes, it was a strike that was trying to dig us out of 40 years of concessions, 40 years of cooperating with the companies, 40 years of corruption. What didn't, we didn't get it all, but everybody should expect to get it all at once. We won record wage increases. We got back COLA. We ended wage tiers. We got our foot in the door with the transition to electric vehicles. The companies were wanting to leave us completely out of the equation. Most labor leaders, and certainly UAW President Fain, thinks what the UAW got From the big three was historic. Labor historian and expert on the UAW history, Nelson Leichenstein, went further. He called the strike and the contract both historically transformative.
3: The Government Accountability Office has issued a report on the future capacity of the Kansas City nuclear plant at the former Richard Cabar Airport operated by Honeywell. The GAO report found that U.S. nuclear weapons contain over 80 percent non-nuclear parts. These parts are produced by or produced at the nuclear National Nuclear Security Administration, Administration site in Kansas City, Missouri. It found that continuing demands for nuclear weapons parts may continue to increase over the next two dec- decades, exceeding the plant's capacity. While there are efforts to increase the size of the facility and the workforce, the GAO found that these efforts may not fully meet future needs at the site may need additional space beyond the planned expansions to meet project demands. According to the GAO uh, projections, the staffing needs between 2025 and 2045 could reach 2,500 workers. Currently, there are about 1,250 but projected needs by 2025 are for 1,500 workers. The workers at the plant are represented by machinist local 778.
0: And for our last story, we want to share a statement by actor and comedian Jason Sudeikis, made last week when he was in town for a benefit for Thundergun. Oh,
4: oh, I'm delighted that the strike's over. Um, on behalf of the the two unions I'm a part of, but then also on everybody, the entire group of people, you know men, women, you know, white collar, blue collar behind the scenes, above the scenes, below the scenes, every which way, uh, all getting ready to come together and, and, and you know, kick it back up. I mean, it, it is, it is, a, a remarkable thing that happens, uh, having been involved in, in making movies and TVs, the way, uh, TV shows, the way all these different people have a common goal and try to get it done. And, and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, some of the, the, the you know, the folks that, uh, hold and control the purse strings have, have, uh, you know, loosen their grip on it a little bit, and letting all those folks get back to work. You know, because those those are the people that uh, that that make that stuff, and the people that uh, that uh, you know get to you know suck off of that stuff. You know, uh, the parasites, if you will. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's nice of them to uh, you know take a little less for themselves and give it to the people that actually do the work. And I, and I wish I wish every in every industry, anybody that being which is it's 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 as much of a pandemic as the one we all you know collectively went through on this earth. It's happening everywhere, especially in this country, and I, and i I encourage and applaud all unions to get together, stand together strong and and uh, and fight the good fight, not just for themselves, selfishly, but for you know the next union and for you know their their children for and the same thing that we do here and for all charitable endeavors to help people that you probably will never meet. You know, so so I hope that, you know, generation from now, uh, the people that are, uh, you know, that work in our industry and other industries that have the same situation uh, are, are, you know, better off for, for the, you know, people you know, sticking up for one another at this level at this time.
0: That was Jason Sudeikis, and thanks to the Kansas City Star for that clip. Th- that's news from our side. The news tonight was read by Scott Olinger, Michael Savoir, Morty, and I'm Judy Ansell. <laughs>
5: Come all of you good workers This news to you I'll tell The rights we take for granted now
3: We have no right to sell Does anyone remember The days with Fold John L It's thanks to him no child of mine Will know the breaker's
6: hell Tell me which side you? Are Which side are you on Which side are you on Which side are you on Which Side
2: I'm Michael sav
3: And I'm Morty Mortensen.
2: Our musical prelude was, Which Side Are You On? by Ann Feeney. The sounds you just heard were the excitement from the 48th Annual TDU Convention. Our guests are Ben Reynolds and Scotty Olinger. Uh, both are elected stewards at UPS. In the first half of our show, we will take a look at that convention. We will hear from some of the esteemed labor leaders and visit some interesting workshops. In the second half of the show, we'll examine some of this year's labor victories and see how TDU has been an inspiration, an educational powerhouse, and a shining example across labor's ranks. Since or 1976,
3: <laughs> the TDU convention uh, have brought Teamsters together to learn from each other, to strategize, to build worker power, TDU has taken on corporations by winning the right to vote, defending givebacks, and organizing to win new leadership and new direction for our union.
2: The TDU Convention is where we come together to share our hopes, build our skills, and grow And as an organization and a union, a power builder. Workers everywhere are talking, are taking notice, including Amazon workers who are starting to organize and take action to win change.
3: The labor upsurge is spreading. Members of the United Auto Workers have won the stand-up strike to reverse concessions and multiple tiers at the Big Three Auto Workers. The the revival of militancy from the Teamsters uh, to the UAW began with members organizing to build union power through rank-and-file power.
2: Well, let's kick it off with Sean O'Brien, a fourth-generation Teamster and general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. He is leading a new, aggressive, and militant era in the Teamsters Union. O'Brien is involving members to win strong contracts, enforce them, organize the unorganized, and take on employers. Listen as O'Brien speaks to the challenge of Amazon and the leverage of controlling much of the transportation industry.
7: As an organizer, some form, some fashion. We have our director of organizing here, Chris Roselle. Where are you? I thought have you might have been at the bar organizing. <laughs> but since we took over 591 days ago, we've organized 30, 000, over 30,000 people. So if you do a minute, We're organizing 50 new members every single day for the last 591 days. But it's not enough. It's not enough. We've got the biggest fight on our hands, and I think Local 804 has done a tremendous job Mm. leading the way and in power. Amazon is going to be our most formidable opponent. That is our biggest threat. It's our biggest threat, not only possible delivery, but Sister Doherty's dealing with them in the motion picture industry. We've got issues with them with the cloud. We've got issues with the government giving them contracts when they're destroying jobs and trying to kill American workers. So we have a huge fight on our hands. We have a plan in place. But that plan is only going to be successful if the rank and file members are engaged. Yeah. And engaged not because it may pertain to you. You may not even work in the industry. But Amazon is coming, they are everywhere. They're in food distribution, and we have allocated 300 million dollars out of our Strike and Defense Fund because Strike and Defense Fund can be utilized to defend against any threat to our organization. Amazon clearly is a huge threat to our organization. Yeah. That's what we need to engage every single person, Amazon. and to talk to these workers, make certain they understand how important. That's why the UPS agreement is the best template in the world for these workers. That we provide goods and services throughout this entire country. Whether it's in rail, whether it's in Ooh. maritime, whether it's in trucking, whether it's in aviation. Tiefs is all have a hand in each one of those modes of transportation. And I told the White House clearly on several times that if you get involved in our affairs, and we don't want you involved in our affairs. We could potentially shut this country down
5: yeah. for one day
7: to show them how, how going yeah. I like it, I like it, I like it. They oh. know that the Chiefs' Union is back. Bigger.
2: Who's next there, Brother Michael? Lindsey Daughtery is IBT Western Regional Vice President and serves as director of the IBT Motion Picture Division. She has been a force of solidarity in the writers and actors' strikes and led Teamsters in honoring the picket lines and building across labor power. The sag After group reached a tentative agreement Monday after the TDU convention. Listen, as daughtery encourages the working class in continuous struggle
5: have our fight next year and we're looking forward to that and that's really mostly why I want this strike to end so we can plan ours now <laughs> or credible strike that um, but all this stuff that's happening in the country right now you see like with the labor solidarity and the uprisings and the strikes you would think like man labor's on fire right now and it is LA's on fire too anyone that live, who's uh, my LA locals we got 396 here Woo! I saw some 630 at 572 542 right there Woo! LA is on fire right now Everybody's on strike And there's a reason for that LA is a very expensive city People are, you gotta make $38.50 an hour To live in LA to not be rent burdened Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody making that Nope And so that's why we fight, that's why we strike But you think, oh yeah Everything's going good (laughs) We are at the lowest union density In our history History, 10% How is that happening? There's two reasons why. Because we haven't been organizing. Well, we are now, right, Roselle? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I hey, That's what needs to happen. And this is the time. You know, and be inclusive. Because our members are younger, they look different, and you gotta you gotta educate the younger generation constant. I, I love it when boomers say, Oh, these young people. There should be no generational divide. And by the way, boomers, you're the ones that are running off the millennials and Gen Z's too. And so, you know, one of the things that my dad said to me when I became a business agent, he's like, welcome to the fight that never ends. And I was like, you raised me to be a fighter. I've been fighting my whole life. I know what you're talking about. Mmm. ish. It's hard, it's hard, but it's worth it. And it's ish. necessary. And we have to keep fighting no matter what. And if you're somebody that's not willing to fight anymore, then get out the way. And that's why we educate, because we're all replaceable. Nobody's so important that they can't retire, no way. And this inclusivity is important, DEI is important. What you're doing right now, right here, is exactly what everybody else should be doing. So I commend you guys for showing up because I know a lot of y'all paid your own way to be here, to educate yourselves. And sometimes you gotta do that to get it done because you can't depend on everybody else, right? So you should be able to, but that's, what we, that's why we have to change this organization. And on the executive board, you know, we have this new general executive board. We only have two on the general executive board. Why is that?
7: Well. Because there's
5: not a lot of female leaders out there. And why is that? because we're not giving them the opportunity as well. And that's why you have to try to make the change. Demand change. Do the work always.
2: Who else we got? Well, last but certainly not least, we got Shane Fain, president of United Auto Workers. He has led the United Auto Workers in a tremendous victory at the big three automakers. He's gonna tell us a little bit about that and who's been their inspiration.
8: And the members turned this union around, not me, the membership did this. (laughs) we We went from an authoritarian union with an authoritarian leadership to a democratic union. We went from defense to offense and we went from a company union to a member-led union that's going to war for the working class. We did that by putting the membership in charge, putting the members in the driver's seat, and we learned that from you right here at TDU. You know, when news of that corruption scandal broke, As I mentioned, you know, a lot of people lost faith. But there were other people who refused to give up. You know, what started as a handful of rank-and-file activists demanding the resignation of leadership, of the corrupt leaders, it grew into a massive movement of members calling for democratic reform for the UAW. You know, some of that small group is here with me tonight. You know, and that small group got a little bit bigger and, and started gaining momentum. You know, thousands of members were pissed off. They wanted something done about it. They wanted to save this union. They wanted to save it from corruption, from concessions, and from tears. You know, that group called themselves UAWD, Unite All Workers for Democracy. Some of them, like I said, are here tonight, and if it wasn't for their determination, I sure as hell wouldn't be standing here right now because they are the reason I am standing here. You know, these reformers looked around the labor movement for examples and for inspiration, and they found that inspiration with you guys right here, Teamsters for a Democratic Union. Through all that, they learned how rank-and-file Teamsters took on the exact same things the UAW has been facing, you know, uh, how members took corruption, how they took on company unionism, and how they took on the boss. And our movement learned a hell of a lot from you guys. I'll say this though, without TDU, there'd be no UAWD. And without UAWD, there would be no President Sean Fain. There sure as hell wouldn't have been no stand-up strike and there'd be no movement to change what it means to be UAW today. That is race that continues on. I gotta give a shout out to your general president, Sean O'Brien.
2: Well, Marty, why don't you tell us about the
3: workshops? Absolutely. Uh, well, there are more than we could cover on the show, but some of the best attended were. Meeting the Amazon Challenge, members and organizers meet to discuss the Amazon threat and the role to volunteer organized committees and current organizing effects and challenges. There was also labor's movement, uh, an explanation of what's behind the labor's upsurge. Developing the next generation of Teamsters, troublemakers, getting young members involved and preparing to put them on the front lines of the battle. Running for Union Office, a comprehensive look at what it takes to run for and win local union office. Uh, mental Health Matters, a frank and honest assessment about how mental health issues affect our membership, our workplace, and our communities. Uh, well, Scott, did you have a favorite? Uh, tell, us, tell our listeners about it.
1: Yeah, so actually one of my favorite workshops was one that was more sparsely attended, but it was the uh, Meet the... Uh, it, you basically met with a bunch of labor lawyers. I believe it was called Meet the Experts. Mm-hmm. And in that, it was really good to just sort of be able to ask the sort of questions you wouldn't be able to ask maybe your people in your local because they may not necessarily know all that. We in our local have a an attorney, and so you know they sort of push that all off onto him. So being able to learn more about the National Labor Relations Act, uh, learn about, like, the role of labor law, law and the workplace, uh, organizing your union's bylaws, stuff like that. I also really enjoyed the uh, part-time issues, uh, seminar that they had. Uh, part-timers are often overlooked, and learning how to enforce the contract uh, as a part-time steward is very, very important these days. And, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to get done. Um, There was also a specific UPS uh, enforcement contract, or contract enforcement, I should say, seminar, and that was really useful because, you know, with this new contract, we're not really sure what's going to, uh, how it's going to play out. There's a lot of unanswered questions about, you know, enforcement in the future. Yeah, there were a lot of good classes.
3: Uh, What about you, Ben?
6: Yeah, I, uh... I got to highlight a couple at the very least. Um as you guys mentioned, me- the mental health matters uh, seminar was really eye-opening. Uh it was led by uh, some folks out of Local 89 out in Louisville who due to some very tragic circumstances were forced to confront the reality of, you know, the mental health of of workers in our country today and uh It led to a lot of really good, uh, productive, frank talk about how mental health affects all of us um, from all walks of life. And uh, it was just really encouraging uh, sort of dialogue to bring back to to work with me here. Um, Other than that, the real highlight for me as a union steward would have to be uh, a workshop called Ask the Experts, uh, which is just a room full of labor lawyers uh, and you just sit down and, and ask just rapid fire, whatever questions you got, uh, different specialties, different folks. So, you know, you, you know, anything from the NLRB to getting through a grievance panel, like, you know, there's someone in the room for whatever, you know, whatever issue you're dealing with back at home. Uh, So it's just like, it's, it's just a, an invaluable resource, uh, to have because, uh, you know, you're, there's not many, not many circumstances. You're going to find yourself in a, a room full of, of, uh, of labor lawyers, uh, that are just there that, that are at your disposal, I guess you could say. Um, but, uh, man, the convention overall, just, uh, just highlight of my whole year for me, really motivating, really, uh, encouraging to get back, get back into the shop. And, uh, and take care of business.
2: Well, Marty, was there anything else
3: worthwhile? Yeah, there was, Michael. There was an awesome Chicago Labor History Tour, a three-hour tour of some labor's most iconic site, sites, including the Haymarket Square and graves, and the gravesides of some of the Labor's Marty Red leaders. Well, this brings us to the end of the first half of the show. Stay tuned for the second part on the Heartland Labor Forum.
5: Ooh. Coming up Thursday, November 16th at 7 p.m. on the People Power Hour, brought to you by KC Tenants, we'll be talking about language justice. Our guests will be Wilson Vance and Jetchel Cervera. Language justice is social justice. What is being done to improve language access in Kansas City? Tune in to the People Power Hour, brought to you by KC Tenants, on November 16th at 7 p.m.
7: This is M.C. Richardson, chairman of the United Minority Media Association, inviting you to participate in Yuma's 50th anniversary, Saturday, December 2nd, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Bruce O. Watkins Cultural Heritage Center, 3700 Blue Parkway, KCMO, workshops, presentations, and awards, plus a luncheon. For more information and donations, call 816-694-2273.
3: In the second part of our show, we will examine some of the victories of this year's and the solidarity building that is the most uh, important for the success of our movement. We will hear from new leaders in Indianapolis, Local 135, and Des Moines, Local 90. We will look at efforts to unite Cisco and Pepsi workers nationwide. We will consider strategies that will unite the labor movement, union and non-union, for solidarity of all.
2: First up, we'll hear from Dustin Roach president of Local 135 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Dustin began his efforts to return his union to the membership one year ago. They have moved with the stride of a seasoned veterans.
9: For those of you wanting to run for office or simply just get more engaged, you know where you start? Right here, TVU is the place for you to be. This year we've held Contract Summits and Indiana Labor Notes Conference, Multiple Steward, trainings, member trainings. We traveled the country taking our training on the road to meet our Republic Airways flight attendants where they're at, meet members where we're at is very, very important in our local. We held an enforcing expired contracts training for our members of Cisco, and we'll be doing the same for other groups in our local next year. Those flight attendants are a crazy bunch too, let me tell you. <laughs> yes. Uh, we engaged in coordinated bargaining with many other locals and many other companies including what I love to refer to as the great bloodshed of Cisco Foods, between Local 89, Local 135, and that traditional company Cisco. Our members put it to them. Our members traveled up the country shutting Cisco down, and what most don't know about that traveling strike was if we didn't get an agreement that week, Local 120, Local 337, Local 89, Local 135, it was going to take about a dozen members off a piece and we were going to really drop bombs all of your husbands and blow them up. Ah, so. well, we won. And when I say we won, our members won, right? That's who, do, that's who did it, that's who drove it. Um, we've also ran over a dozen full-fledged contract campaigns from the bottom up. Um, campaigns like at Wix Pie in Rensselaer, Indiana, where we demanded a piece of the pie. All right, all right. For baking, we wanted a slice of the bread. <laughs> um, Brickyard Healthcare, we've got a couple of those members here, too. We demanded more affordable healthcare healthcare yep. yeah. Healthcare yeah. Yeah. health care for our health care workers. What the
2: fuck is that? Yep, Yeah. Health workers should get affordable health care. Right.
9: Um, their employer didn't understand it, and, and together, I believe that we made them understand <laughs> it. So, um.
3: Next, we'll hear from newly elected leadership of Local 90 in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Alona De La Rosa, as a former Pepsi employer who is leadership whose leadership has earned the respect of his co-workers as well as pe- Pepsi management and contract negotiations committee.
10: Today, I'm going to tell you about the 150 Pepsi Teamsters who just won a record contract at our local. <laughs> Not only did we win major wage increases, but improvements to seniority, paid breaks, large pension increases, paid new hire orientations, and a couple favorites, we won just cause for all discipline, not just terminations, and we ended forced 16-hour workdays for our members at Pepsi Mm and the voting crew. When we took office, our union membership at Pepsi was catastrophically low. We had about 80 members out of a shop that currently rests at about 150. So we were getting dues on less than half that shop and we needed to organize. During our run for office, we had a hard time connecting with Pepsi Teamsters. Their chief steward was on the opposing slate. Since winning office, we've made it a priority to visit every single shop at least monthly. And we hold regular craft meetings. Our members have started to get to know us personally. When it came time to bargain with Pepsi, we took the opportunity to engage our members and build a campaign from the bottom up. We held meetings for contract proposals to gather every possible proposal. We had meetings that were four hours each over five days, but it was all worth it. Language changes might seem small, but they really make a difference to our members day to day. We wanted the bargaining committee to represent the entire rank and file, not just stewards. So we had people like Matt George and Tanya Jackson on our committee. They are both longtime warehouse workers who stopped and spoke with us in the middle of the night and early on during our campaign. We're proud to have them both with us here today in the audience. When we sat down across the table from Pepsi, they clearly thought we were some junior newbies that they could roll. But we walked in there with a huge stack of proposals before we even touched economics. Pepsi's rep was in shock. He said this is an unusually large stack of proposals, an unusually large bargaining committee. I like to talk to issues, so I told him we're gonna be seeing a lot more of this and the committee will probably be even larger tomorrow. (laughs) Thanks to to TDU, we built strong connections with our brothers and sisters at Pepsi in local one thirty-five. And we rolled in there with Jesse and Sarah from Indy. Uh, Pepsi negotiators looked horrified. Okay. They call Sarah the Grim Reaper of Pepsi, actually. Ah. We saw why with the expertise she brought to the table. Thank you again, brothers and sisters, and we look forward to going up and supporting you during your negotiations next year.
2: Well, we would truly be remiss if we failed to include the words of wisdom from the UAW District 9 Director, Daniel Vincente. Vincente embodies the commitment, excitement, and enthusiasm of the new UAW.
11: My name is Dan Vicente, I'm the Director of Region 9 the UAW. Uh, I now cover Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Central and Western New York. Um, I'm I'm a rank-and-file auto worker, man. I'm from the shop floor. uh, And I just wanted to say first and foremost that I'm honored to be here, but also TDU, thank you. Honestly, you clap for me, clap for yourselves. UAWD exists because of you guys. Mm -hmm. ...template for how to bring reform into these traditional legacy unions. And without the guidance and help from TDU, we, we would not be here today. We so thank you from the bottom of our, health, from our hearts, because we've been able to, I don't know if you noticed, but we've been able to do some things. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just a dude, like I'm just a dude off the floor. We literally can take charge of our unions. We can absolutely do it. We can do it, but we can only do it collectively. We can only do it with each other. These dinosaur institute—I'm sorry, but the, the 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 legacy. I'll say the legacy. <laughs> We've been able to take charge of the top leadership positions in our union, but there's still a lot of work to do, guys. It doesn't just end because you win some elections. You all know the truth. How well, we know. We got locals that right. are jacked up for the teams. There's yeah, any way. you ain't okay. no lie about that. No okay. We have an opportunity here with the power behind us right now. build something that we haven't seen since the freaking 30s and 40s Mm
2: -hmm.
11: what you guys did with the with your with your leading up to your UPS negotiations it laid the frown the the framework for us for the stand-up strike Mm -hmm. traditionally our two unions have tried to uh, stick the lines of demarcation and stay in their lanes and not to cross over we can no longer look at the labor movement as separate entities. You guys need to get Amazon and we are going Mm -hmm. home for our purposes. And I just got to be real clear. Uh, The UAW is coming for Elon Musk's little Growing in our unions, but not just our two unions, but across the labor movement right now is, it's not, the media keeps trying to, come at us and say we're a political movement or we're some sort of ideologues or something, but you guys know the truth just as much as I do. We work with radically different political agenda people next to us all day. I'm assembly line, I got Trump people, I got Bernie people, I got, it doesn't matter if you pay, you shoot, they pay machine, they, they pay machine, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Okay? This, is, this, this is working people sticking together and finally saying enough is enough.
3: Last, we'll hear from TDU organizer David Levine. Levine speaks to TDU's vision and direction for the coming year. He acknowledges the increasing important role of TDU as the North Star of the labor movement.
12: (laughs) But when members start to organize, it doesn't look like that video. If you're watching it and you're going, Well, that's awesome, but that's not my local. That's okay. (laughs) Organizing starts small. The trick is to find the natural leaders, the other organizers, the people who share the vision and the people who are respected in the workplace and to pull them together and get them working together. In the last year, 15,000 people Uh, got involved in TDU activities. We're going to hear a report more about that in the afternoon but I'll give you the punchline of the report. Our job is to make sure that they stay involved. It's not a one-off. It's not a, I was involved in the Pepsi (coughs) contract campaign, now I'm going back to sleep. I was at a parking lot meeting and now I'm done. Our job is to pull them in, identify the core organizers, keep building. We can take the power and the solidarity and the education and the information from this convention and organize events back home to train more people and be bigger when we gather again here next year. Um, It's kind of like Corey Levesque said last night. He said, we get involved to kind (coughs) of change a problem. We end up changing ourselves and we end up changing each other and if we're lucky we end up changing our workplace and we end Mm. up changing our communities. You walk to a bus shuttle to take the shuttle and there's a homeless encampment there. There are homeless kids sleeping on the floor at the airport at one of the richest cities in the richest country in Mm. the world and we were headed to a union conference. That is an indictment of the labor movement. Mm. Yep. Or at least, if it's not an indictment, it's a call to action. The labor movement is the most effective anti-poverty movement you could possibly create. <laughs> Just sit down. It is the only break <laughs> on runaway inequality and an endless race to the bottom that we got sisters and our siblings who are black and Latino and people of color or LGBTQ, we owe them our solidarity and our appreciation for stepping into the fight.
7: (laughs) Despite the extra
12: barriers you might face and despite our own missteps in this movement, we want you to know that we have your back. here with five members from Washington Guess and Maryland. Local 96 is two-thirds African American. And until a few years ago, the Executive Board was 85% white. Mm. In 2018, Wilder and other Local 96 members approached TDU and formed the new beginning slate. They ran for office and they won. And with new leadership, that looks like the members They have run two contract campaigns and they've won record wage increases and full job security for their members. I had dinner with Wilder a few months ago. He picked up the check, which I appreciated. He talked to me about the kids he coaches at basketball and he talked to me about a young man in need of a father that Wilder took into his own home. And what really struck me was he talked to me about the members of his own local in the same way. That the union, he saw the union as a force for equality, for social advancement, for dignity and respect, for people who might not have the opportunities that a lot of other folks take for granted. And I want you to know I was listening, Wilder. And I want you to know I heard you, brother. That solidarity, and when Wilder or Corey talk about, um, or Alano said, um, it's the people. This movement's really about the people. It's that one-on-one solidarity, the personal solidarity that's the foundation for the movement that we build, for for the struggles that we build. It's based on that. I'll close by saying this. There are powerful forces in this country that don't want to see working class people using that solidarity. Thank you. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Corporations, corporate politicians, the 1%, they'd rather see us squabbling with each other about what's on Fox News or MSNBC or Facebook. They'd rather Mm -hmm. see us scapegoating each other, immigrants, people of color, anything that pits us against each Mm -hmm. other and takes our eye off the ball. We have found a better way in this movement, standing together and building each other up instead of tearing each other down. And if Carol Tomei, or General Motors, or UPS, or Elon Musk, or Jeff Bezos, or the boss near you doesn't like it, that's their problem. The limousine class sees the light in their rearview mirror closing in from behind, and that's our solidarity shining. Let's put to the pedal to the metal and run Corporate
2: Greed off the road. Thank you, okay. Guys, that kind of sums up our coverage, but now it's a good time for us to reflect. You know, we've, we've got about three generations of Teamsters here, myself being the oldest, Scotty, you're the youngin', and you're somewhere in between, Marty. <laughs> and I'm sure, based on that spread, we've all got a different feel about uh, union, solidarity, and our involvement in this movement. And, and I see in both of you a real commitment uh, because it's hard not to be committed. You know, you come in wanting to change one particular thing, as David said a minute ago, you know, and somehow, you know, the thing changes you. And in that process, it changes the people that you're close to. And it changes the community you live in. You know, and you're in it for life like I've been so you know uh these tdu conventions are always um a great opportunity for me to go it's family you know and of course uh it's it's uh i wouldn't miss it man until i i can't get there i guess and then he might have to carry me what's your reflection
1: Scott? uh i absolutely you caught that right on the nose i mean this is my first convention and I think one of the highlights was, you know, I've got a chat of people that I talk to generally speaking for four or five hours a day mm-hmm. of package car drivers. We've got other uh, part-time workers and being, finally being able to meet them, you know, put a name to a face, mm-hmm. it's it's great. It's sort of like, you know, all of a sudden this voice that I've heard in my head for, you know, uh, days is like someone I can actually, you know, hug and talk to and catch up with yeah. in, in a real way. Uh, we had a few people, Morty here included, that was running for the uh, International Steering Committee. Uh, I was very happy that everyone that I, you know, really wanted to win did win. And so I think we've got really good leadership uh, for TDU uh, going forward this year. All right. Well, thanks, Scott. Uh,
3: you know, Michael, I kind of like what you said, how it's, it's family. Um, the way I kind of look at it, and I was trying to convince a lot of my guys to show up here because you get burnt out you know, doing day-to-day stuff. And, uh, I mean, like, I get here and kind of get refreshed coming here every Thursday hanging out with mm-hmm. you and Judy. But uh, I go to these conventions, and it really, like, you got a bunch of people that care, a lot of people that want to make a difference in the world and change the lives of workers. Um, so it really gets a, you know, a fire lit underneath your butt to mm-hmm. go get back home and then be – I'm like, right now, I'm still kind of on yeah. the pit yeah, cloud or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, absolutely. I'm gung-ho, wanting to change, you know, things in my local, change things in my system. Um you know, like our big push in my system, I'm BMWED, we're a division of the Teamsters. You know, is, is direct elections is really important to us, yeah. and uh, you know now we're we got a plan set up, and we're going to fight hard for those direct elections, but. Uh, you know, Scotty, when you were sitting there, you were asked earlier what was your favorite class. I was a little upset. You know, I, I taught a class, and I was hoping you'd okay. say mine. <laughs> <laughs> Which? <laughs> so you're fired. You're you're fired on that. Yeah. <laughs> Which one was that? Uh, it's not even listed, Michael. Did you not write it down? I didn't. But you know,
2: I have. Uh, I've been a member of TDU for thirty-eight years, and of course, that's approaching the amount of time I did at UPS, forty-two. So of course. It wasn't consecutive, otherwise I'd be a pretty damn old person. But uh, what occurs to me is that how you get steeped in this, man. It just becomes a part of what you do. And it's it's essentially motivated by love because I want to make it better for, for the guy that comes behind me, man. And when I think of all the people I've known over the years, and many of them are gone, and I look at the little folks or the young folks that are coming in now and uh, – you know, I was telling PAF, fight. we got a thousand little PAFites now, man, <laughs> running around, and it's great. You know, so
1: mm-hmm. yeah, no, the the ability for a convention like this to you know kind of like create a new generation of militants because this was the greatest turnout they've ever had, from mm-hmm. what I've told, five hundred Teamsters all in one room, mm-hmm. and not just Teamsters, but the people who really want to be work, workplace advocates more oh, than yeah. anyone else. Oh, yeah. And also want to reform, you know, some stale unions. There are definitely locals out there that see a lot of pushback from TDU because they see it as being, um, you know, sort of anathema. It's like, now we know how to run our local here. We don't need anyone telling us how to do this. It's more work, obviously, to have a militant uh, local. And so, you know, being able to be energized by like-minded people like that and knowledgeable people at that, uh, you know, these are not people who just – like you said, you might have someone like me who's only been a steward for five years or so, but hearing from these people who've fought the good fight for you know generations, basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they really know the tactics that work and how to win. Yeah,
3: yeah people. A lot of people get butthurt about TDU, and it kind of it kind of blows my mind. TDU probably puts on the best educationals I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, and people want to say that we don't want them taking over our local. Well, that's not really it. They they want a rank and file led union, the way it should be, not this top bottom crap that's currently going on. Um, it, it just, and you say about the love. You know, that's one thing I really love about TDU is like you can have a disagreement, and you I can approach you and we can talk about it. And even though we disagree, we're we're still good with TDU with my like my union. If you disagree with the leadership, you're out. Like, I mean, you can't have disagreements at oh, all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I really enjoy TDU, yeah. that this is a rank-and-file-led uh, organization, yeah. and it feels really good to be a part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And
2: we've got a democratic procedure to come to, to those conclusions, I mean, or decisions, rather. And uh, while we've had some dissension over the years or people that have fallen out, in a sense, they always come back. Yeah, They always come back. Oh, yeah. so, you know, I'm excited about the possibilities of of us moving forward and, and you know, actually bringing back uh, the kind of, of influential labor movement we had in the 30s. You know, it's possible. Oh,
1: See? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things I saw at this convention, which uh, I mentioned you at one point, but, you know, there's a, an organization called Teamsters Mobilize. They're, you know, I would say they're militant to a point of that they – um, are not always well appreciated and I don't always agree with the way they handle things to be honest but it is really refreshing to see a level of militancy that even extends beyond you know the sort of things that TDU is willing to do mm-hmm. uh, seeing the young people there get fired up I mean you know I love to see it even if I do disagree with some of their tactics Yep,
2: yeah. and it's it's refreshing to know that there is room for dissension yeah you know and we can still move forward with it right, right. Yeah. so guys I guess that's about to wrap it up we're going to have to move over and And let Judy read the calendar of events.
3: Thanks, Scott, for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. That was a great show. And if you want to tell your friends if they missed it, just tell them to go to kkfi.org, look look up the Heartland Labor Forum, and you can find it there, or just go to heartlandlaborforum.org. And now for the calendar. Uh, there's a stewards workshop uh, called assertive grievance handling that's being put on by Labor Notes November 18th. That's Saturday, 7 to 8:30 p.m. Doesn't sound right. Look at the Labor Notes webpage to find out when that is. Just go to labornotes.org/events. Yeehaw! The second annual KC Tenants Benefit Show, Friday November 19th. That's tomorrow. 9 p.m. It's at the Truman at 601 East Truman Road, Kansas City, Missouri, and you can get tickets at KC Tenant's Facebook page. Wyandotte County, third Saturday Democratic Breakfast is Saturday morning, 8.15 for breakfast, 9 o'clock for speaker. It's at Las Islas VIP Sports Bar and Grill, 4929 State Avenue in KCK, and the speaker well there's actually two speakers, I guess. Uh Representative Sharice Davids will be there, as well as Dante Wilson will be there again to talk about the UAW contract, unless that's a mistake on their email. Here's something interesting. Beyond the killers of the flower moon and Osage's perspective with Professor Jimmy Lee Beeson II who I guess is going to be teaching at UMKC next semester. This is going to be Saturday afternoon from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Kansas City Museum, 3218 Gladstone Boulevard. Tickets are required, and I guess they're going fast, so go to kcmuseum.org events to purchase. And the UU Forum is why new nuclear power plants should not be built with uh, attorney Bob I., Sunday, November 19th, 9.30 a.m. at All Souls UU Church, 4501 Walnut Street, or on YouTube. And you should go to All Souls UU Church website in order to find the YouTube link. You can find our calendar on our Facebook page. That's the Heartland Labor Forum Facebook page, where you can also like us and make any comments you want on our show. That's it for tonight's show. Next week, we're going to have a a kind of a unique show. It'll be the best of 2023 on the Heartland Labor Forum. Our volunteer, Mark Galis, is putting together what he thinks is best. And the Heartland Labor Forum is a member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. Check out the rich diversity of programming related to workers and unions at laborradionetwork.org. Thanks to tonight's valiant engineer Pat really. He has never engineered this show before. I think, have you, Pat? This is first. This is a first and we gave him a real complicated one and he did it with flying colors. Thanks so much, Pat. Yes. And stay tuned for the Thursday night special. It's the monthly KC 10th People Power Hour and they're going to be talking about language justice at our public meetings. Listening to the Heartland Labor Forum, a show by and about workers, our workplaces, and our labor movement. We are radio that talks back to the boss, and you can talk back to us too. Send us your feedback, your workplace stories, news, and ideas for shows to Heartland Labor Forum KKFI at gmail.com. Our website, where we archive shows and post our upcoming ones, is heartlandlaborforum.org. The views expressed on this show are ours, and not necessarily those of KKFI or any of the unions involved. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6, or to our rebroadcast Friday mornings at 5, right here, 90.1 FM, KPFI. We still got our pride,
5: cause we are the working class and best place to be He said if I were Frank Sinatra I